0: You're listening to the Centre Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message recorded live from our Burgess Hill campus. I've discovered in these years of my life that there are some people that really enjoy cleaning. Um, In fact, when we've done church clean days, I've been amazed at the passion that some of you, when you come, you put into cleaning um, from cleaning the kitchen to cleaning areas of the baseboards around the church. I mean, some people are really impassioned by cleaning. Um, however, I've discovered in my life that there are some cleaning jobs I've really not enjoyed. When I was 18, I lived with a missionary family in Holland, and one of my jobs was to clean the chicken coop. And I, I, as much as I love chicken eggs, which I mentioned a few weeks back, I discovered I really dislike cleaning a chicken coop and even collecting the eggs because it's a stinky, disgusting place. Um, I've also discovered I, I don't, I didn't enjoy cleaning up the messes of my children when they were little. They're much better now, mostly. Um, uh, but sometimes there was some messes that were just not very nice messes to clean up. Uh, in more recent days, there are some cleaning jobs that I, I still don't enjoy doing, and one is our garage. Uh, it's the kind of the one domain in our house that I've got a little bit of responsibility for, and it's the one part of our house, if you went through our house, you think everything looks quite nice, maybe not so much Annalise's bedroom, but we won't say anything. Um, and then you come into the garage and you would see that there is stuff everywhere. And uh, it's been on my to-do list for about four years now to clean. And I just haven't quite got around to it yet. However, it's on my to-do list at some point in the future. Uh, equally, if you go into my office, um, my desk, I have been ridiculed for it being just filled with stacks of paper. However, I know where everything is, believe it or not. I know what's in those stacks, even though it's five years old, buried bel- beneath the you know 500 other pieces of paper, I know where everything is in this kind of... Untidy state. I know for some of you, if you were to step into my office, you would actually find that quite frustrating because you like things nice and tidy and nice and clean. And so my wife and I, Donna and I, we have a, we've got a great arrangement. There's some things that she doesn't clean, um, like my desk because if she were to come to my office and clean my desk, I wouldn't know where anything is. And that would just not be good. Now, although cleaning, is not necessarily everyone's cup of tea. Not, not everyone enjoys cleaning. There are times when we do have to clean up after ourselves. There are times where we do need to make things tidy. And uh, in fact, leaving things unclean or untidy can, can hinder our productivity or it can hinder our well-being. You know, you do need a certain element of cleanliness in your house. I, I do fully agree with that. You know, we do need to clean and hoover and do all those things. Um, now you think, what on earth does this have to do with anything of this message? Well, last week, we started looking at a guy by the name of Gideon. And uh, Gideon was someone who, as we, as we looked last week, he was, he was threshing wheat in a, in a wine press, he was afraid, he was alone in this, this moment, and, and God came into his existence at this point, and he called him out, he gave him a, a fresh identity, he said, look, out, you're a mighty warrior. And in that, he he gave this mandate of of setting the people free from the hand of the Midianites, the oppression that they were under. And and God said, "Look, I'm responding to what's happening right now by sending you." And there was this commissioning he had for Gideon. And in that, he said, "Look, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to I'm going to go with you. I, just like I'm with you now, I'm going to be with you in this time to come." And so, really, that call to us as a church, even that. In this moment in time, when we're asking that question, God, where are you? Actually, the the, the question is really, where are we in this story? Because God has called us to represent him in this point in time. And so God has called us to be his hands and feet. He's called us to represent his kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. He's called us to do this. And so this calling that he has for each of us, just like he had for Gideon, he had this calling upon his life. He has a calling upon us. And in this story, Gideon is called and he's set apart and there's a clarity that there's something upon him for this moment of time. Just like I firmly believe in your life and in my life, God has called us. He's called me to step up at this moment, to fulfill the calling that he has for me. Now, in response to this time, as we continue to read the story, actually, what's very interesting is God goes from this kind of this encounter moment, this Understanding uh, for Gideon that there was a calling upon his life, that he, there was something for him at this moment. The very next thing that God calls him to do is house cleaning. You think the two are, seem completely separate. Why, why does Gideon have to deal with something at home before he goes and fights the, the, the Midianites? Surely that's a bigger issue way out there, kind of what was happening this, in a, in a national scene in, in Israel at the time. Surely that's a more important thing. But God says, look, Gideon, there's some things you need to deal with at home. Before you go fight some other battles, you need to deal with stuff at home. And uh, so we're going to read a passage of scripture that is really about Gideon. The very first thing that God calls Gideon to do was to deal with things in his own household. And sometimes it's easy to look at things outside the walls of our, our house and look at the government and we can find the, the reasons of, of how things should be done or, or we, we can have the thoughts of how things should be done better out there and we can be looking out. But sometimes there's things that we need to deal with at home to enable us to fully step into what God has for us outside. And so we're going to read Judges 6, 25 to 32. And it says this, it says, That same night the Lord said to him, so the very same night, just kind of back up a little bit, he has this encounter with God in the daytime. And that very same night, as Gideon is somewhat embracing what God is calling him to do, he has a, another meeting with God. And that, so that says this, that very same night, the Lord said to him, "'Take the second bull from your father's herd, "'the one seven years old,' so he knew which one it was, uh, "'tear down your father's altar to Baal "'and cut down the Asherah pole beside it. "'Then build a proper kind of altar,' To the Lord your God, on the top of this height, use the wood of the Asher pole that you cut down, offer the second bull as a burnt offering. So Gideon took ten of his servants and did as the Lord told him. But because he was afraid of his family and the townspeople, he did it at night rather than in the daytime. In the morning, as you can imagine, when the people of the town got up, there was Baal's altar demolished, and the ashtray pole cut uh, beside it cut down, and the second bull sacrificed on the newly built altar. They asked each other, "Who did this?" When the when they carefully investigated, they were told Gideon, son of Joash, did this. The town, uh, the, sorry, the people of the town demanded of Joash, "Bring your son. He must die, because he has broken down Baal's altar and cut down the ashtray pole beside it." But jo- Joash replied to the hostile crowd around him. Are you going to plead Baal's case, his his cause? Are you trying to save him? Whoever fights for him shall be put to death by mourning. If Baal really is a god, he can defend himself when someone breaks down his altar. So because Gideon broke down Baal's altar, they gave him the name Jerob Baal that day saying, let Baal def- uh, contend with him. Now here's this this interesting thought process that before God would have him deal with the Midianites, he would need to get his own house in order. And uh, for Gideon, there was this worship of other gods, and uh, and at this time it was Baal and the goddess of Asherah. And so we have this this context that uh, yes, they they have the Lord, the god you know. Capital G God, but there was also these other gods that they were worshiping at home. Uh, there could have been uh, this this ritual on a daily basis of worshiping Baal and Asherah, and uh, they were really breaking the very first commandment that God had given the Israelites to to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. They were they weren't to worship other gods; they were to worship only the Lord their God. And so Gideon needed to deal with something at home before he could battle on another front. And uh, for most of us, when we look at this story, we think, actually, it's a little bit distant from where we are, because probably most of us don't have some altar at, at at home. We probably don't have some kind of strange pole sitting out your back garden. You probably don't have this kind of stuff laying around your house. However, in a more subtle way, we, we probably have things going on in our lives where we can there's always a competition going on in our hearts as to who we're really serving or what we're really serving or, or what's the, the real worship of our lives. And uh for many of us we, we would like to think that we we believe in God and we worship him and that's he's number one, absolutely. However, time has a funny way and and life has a funny way of other things creeping in. To that center place of our hearts, that that one love, that first love of, of who we are. And so sometimes it's, you know, it can be money, it can be success, it can be our status or relationships or the stuff we have or the sports teams that we support or it can be all of those things that we, we start to really, if we really are honest with ourselves, what gets us out of bed in the morning, with the things that we really are pursuing is not so much God, but it's actually this other stuff that's in our lives that's, that is there. And uh, over time, those things can take quite a, a, a precedence. I and mean, even looking at Gideon's family, it may have been something that happened in some other place of the country, but at some point that entered their house and his own father had built an altar to Baal. His own father had uh, erected an Asherah pole. His, his own family had really bought into this thought process. Here, this country that had been delivered and God did so many great things to and through, had allowed others things to be worshipped and allowed other things to, to take in root in their, in their lives. And really, whenever something else has this highest importance in our lives, it actually becomes, in many ways, a God for us. It, it becomes something, maybe even an idol that we, we're, we're really going after. And for Gideon, in order for him to clean his house, there were there were a few things he had to do. He had to he had to address. And and the first one, he had to challenge a status quo of the time. And uh, if you can just imagine, kind of put yourself into Gideon's shoes, he would have grown up in a household where this was normal. Right. He would have grown up, no doubt, in a context where. You know, there was this altar, there was this asher pole, and it was completely normal. It was normal in this town. It was it was this normal thing that everyone did. So much. Of what everyone was doing was in this direction and uh, to address it was cutting against the grain of his society at the time. So to to address it was mean actually he had to stand up against something that was so, so normal to everyone. And I think for us, uh, the same can be true when we start looking at really giving ourselves wholly to serving the Lord. It can cut against the grain of society because everything around us uh, points in a certain direction of what is really most important. You know, it it is uh, our our finances. It is the stuff that we have. It's where we live. It's the careers that we have. It's all these things that we, we live in a world that paints a picture to us of what is the most important thing. And if we we're to challenge that, maybe our family, maybe our friends, maybe even those closest to us in friendships can can be confronted with something that is, for everyone, just normal. Why would this be a problem? Why, why is it a problem? Why was it a problem for Gideon to have this, this altar? Why was it a problem for God that this, this thing was there? God doesn't, didn't want to take second place in Gideon's life. He, he wasn't interested in, in in being in the background somewhere. But he needed to be center stage for us to step into God's purposes for our lives. There, there's a challenging of the, the, the status quo. There's a challenging of what is at this moment. You see, in this time of crisis, the coronavirus in some ways has has picked apart even the status quo, even for those who don't believe at all in God. There's suddenly been a challenge of the things that we value because what's a great career when you're in a hospital bed fighting for your life? What's all the money in the world when you lose a loved one? What's the things that we think are so important suddenly don't seem so important when all that stuff is stripped away? And even at that time, what can a great career do to save you from... This crisis, you know, what can all the money in the world do to save you in this moment of time? It, it, it just can't. And in the same ways, it's, it's the, 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 the Israelites and Gideon's family. They were they were being oppressed by the Midianites and they were worshiping something that couldn't save them. And it seems so ironic, doesn't it? They were giving their all towards something that was just an altar. It was just a pole. It, it, it was Nothing. Instead of putting their trust in God, they were putting their trust in something that could never save them. And really, the same thing goes today. We we can give our all to something. And at the end of the day, it has no power to save. It has no power to heal. It has no power to redeem us in any way. It it is just there. Gideon needed to challenge this status quo, and he did it at nighttime. He was afraid. He he knew that people probably wouldn't understand why he was doing that. And it was true. Very next morning when they realized what happened, they wanted to kill him. And his father defended his cause and, and rightly so. But the second thing that Gideon had to do in this, so he had to, he had to challenge the status quo, but secondly, he, he had to surrender these old pursuits. So again, what would have been this maybe ritual on a daily basis or on a weekly basis of, of serving this thing, he had to, He had to surrender those things. He had to destroy the altar of Baal and cut down the Asher pole. Uh, There had to be no going back to this old lifestyle. There was only one life to be lived at this moment, and it was to be serving God wholeheartedly. Uh, There have been moments in my life where God has asked me to lay down some things that I think had taken a different place in my heart. And again, this is someone who Speaking of myself, I've I walked with God right from a child till now, and yet over time, things sometimes can take a greater place in our lives than God wants them to. And it isn't that everything around us is wrong. It isn't that money's wrong, or careers are wrong, or having stuff is wrong. None of that stuff, I would say, is wrong. But it's when it takes a place in our heart as a as an idol, or, or something that we serve as the most important thing. That's where the problem comes. And I've learned a lesson that God has taught me over the years is to hold all that I've got with open hands before Him. If if I'm willing to walk away from these things, if I'm willing to let them go, then it's always a good question mark as to where they sit in my life. Because if I if I can walk away from it, then it isn't really got a hold on me. But if I will die for it, if I will give everything for it, if that becomes the reason I do things or don't do things, because it's such a number one pursuit, even though God might be saying something different, this is the thing that's most important. Then we've got a problem because it's taken that first place in our lives. Even recently, even in this crisis, for many of you, you know that um, we have a business and and uh, it, it's in. we've worked on developing it over the last 10 years. And as a company, we celebrated this 10 year anniversary, the beginning of January. And suddenly, to see all that you've worked for in a moment, you're faced that that uh, that you're confronted with the fact that it will it survive? Will other businesses survive? Will our customers that we have survive? Will, will all this? Ha- Can we see this through? And suddenly, I realized I had a question in my own heart: Is, "Okay, God, where does this sit with me? Where's is my value of this?" And so again, I just said, "Okay, God." It's yours if you want it to, to survive this time. I, I we give it to you. It's not something uh, I'm going to lose sleep over. It's not something I'm going to worry about. I'm going to put my trust in you because it's you that I'm serving. I'm not serving the business. That isn't my one pursuit. My pursuit is you. And so, God, if you want to, to see it flourish through this time or after this time, then I completely give it to you. But at the same way, if you want me to walk away, I'll walk away having this heart of saying, God, I, I give it all to you. You know what? It takes the pressure of our, uh, off of our lives. If, if, if Even maybe right now, you're struggling with worry and concern about the things that you're holding on to. Can I just encourage you to let go of those things? To, 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 to not let those things be our number one pursuit? And just say, okay, God, I, I'm going to pursue what you have for my life. And these things that maybe you've really worked for all your life, you've, you've really uh, sought after, maybe those things need to take second place and let God take first place. And when you do that, you know what, there's a load that comes off your shoulders. And even for me, when I just gave the business to God again, I said, Lord, you just have your way. I, I can't make it happen, and I'm not going to make it my one pursuit. My one pursuit is following you. You know what? There's a peace that comes in our hearts and our minds because we realize it doesn't matter. At the end of the day, if God wants it to rise, it will rise. And if He doesn't, you know what? We can walk away knowing that God has something better in store for us. What an amazing thing. That doesn't have to be our pursuit because we don't know what the future holds. God knows what the future holds. And so even for Gideon, he had to lay down old pursuits. He had to put to death those things that would otherwise potentially in the future cloud his future. Uh, so he had to lay those things down. The third thing he had to do is he went forward. So he had to challenge the status quo. He had to lay down these old pursuits. But he had to establish some new priorities. Uh, Gideon built, so he he tore down this one altar, but he didn't just leave it empty, that space. But he, he built what we see in Scripture. He said, built a proper kind of altar to the Lord on the top of this height. I mean, it was he was going to establish something that was permanent for people to see that there was going to be a worship of God, the true God, in this moment of time. From this time onwards, he was going to serve the Lord wholeheartedly. It was this line in the sand saying, look, I'm in with both feet. This is an opportunity for all of us, I think, to evaluate where we're at. Uh, the things that are our top priorities, the things that we're really going after. Uh, I, I think uh, we see again in the media, no, I, in my, my history of, of living, I've, I've never seen such value being placed upon those who work within healthcare. Uh, the value of relationships, of, of connecting with people, of family, you know, all these things have been highlighted, how important those things are. But can I say, God says, look, if you seek first my kingdom and my righteousness, all these other things, all these other things will be given to you as well. It isn't that God wants to withhold all these things. But he said, look, if you make me the one, number one priority, I'll help you with everything else in your life. I will help you with, with your family. I'll help you with your finances. I'll help you with all these other things. But let me be your number one pursuit. And so for Gideon, it was establishing a new altar. Uh, I think for us, whether we are right now a believer of Jesus, even or not, can I encourage across the board that we make a decision that at this point in time, we're going to put our feet firmly in this decision to put our trust in God, to put our hope fully in him. I think we can uh, we can have come to church for many years. We may have walked this Christian faith to a limited degree, but God is asking that he become our number one priority in this moment of time, that there is not a competition for where our heart lies, but really. Our heart is for Him. He is our first love. He is the one that we get up out of bed in the morning for. And everything else, the other things that are around us, the stuff, the money, the careers, the relationships, God will work those things out. He will help us with those things. But He's looking for our hearts. He's looking for us to to pursue Him as our number one priority. Can we do that? I I think right now, more than ever before, there needs to be a realignment in our lives of what is important. And when anything else takes that place that only God can take, you know what? Those other things can never help us in the long term. And we've seen at this point in time, even the financial world, you know, we, we might have put so much trust in our savings plans and In the job security and building a great business or whatever it is, we can put so much into that. But in the time of crisis, it doesn't hold. It doesn't stand the test of time. But you know what? God does stand the test of time. He is the one who's able to see us through. He is the one who wants to bring us victory. And the same thing with Gideon, as we'll see in the next week, we'll see that God wanted to bring victory. But there needed to be no doubt that there was only one God, that he was he was God overall. And in your life, God wants to do immeasurably more than you could dare to dream or imagine. He's got great things in store for you. But there, there can't be a competition. There can't be other altars built in your life where you're you're serving all these other things. And God is somewhere in the in that tiered system. God, if God is the first in your life. Then everything else will start to fall into place because God will help us with these other things. He will work through our lives. He will give us direction. He will, He will instruct us. And in that, we can, we can rest and we can take confidence that God will work all things together for good. He will, He will take control. I want to just ask this question this morning. This morning, do you need to do some housekeeping? In your heart. These are things maybe right now. That God wants to just readjust. Are there some things maybe you really need to put. You don't need to destroy. Maybe there's things that have really been built up in your life. That really. If you're going to be honest with yourself. They don't matter. They really don't matter. You know it's interesting. The Bible says you come into this world with nothing. You leave this world with nothing. And so we've got this time. In this middle. And in this time, we need to be living for what really matters. And in that we, there's this adjustment, this house cleaning that needs to happen from time to time. Time and space in our lives right now gives us this opportunity to reevaluate what we're pursuing, where we're headed, where's the direction to travel. And I just want to ask that question for you today. What is the direction of your life right now? Where are you headed? Is it clear? I encourage you if you put your put your face towards the Lord, if you focus upon him, he will order our steps, he will direct your steps going forward. He will help you going forward. Place God in the center of your life and and see what he will do through you. Don't let the things of this world hold you back and and at the end of the day, it was for Gideon's good. And for the good of his family, and the good of his town, and the good of everyone around him, that this happened. And can I just say, the things that are holding us back, the things that we think are really important to us, that really are not in the light of eternity, they are the very things that are holding us back from the very good that God wants to do through us. And so it's it's for your good, and it's for the good of all those around you, For you to say, look, wholeheartedly, I'm going to serve the Lord. Wholeheartedly, I'm going to give my devotion to follow after him. I'm going to give him everything. I'm in with both feet. I'm going to tear down these other things that have been erected in my life. And I'm going to pursue him. And you know what? In this, it will bring other people around you into freedom. It'll bring you into a place of freedom. You see, it was for freedom's sake that Gideon was needing to do this, because as we'll continue to read in the story, God wanted to bring freedom. But he had to, he had to address the things that were bringing bondage. It wasn't just the Midianites. It was the place that their heart was set upon. It was worshiping things that could never save. And so as they aligned their hearts to worship God, God was wanting to bring them into freedom, but freedom started at home first. And then they were to step into this greater freedom outside the house. And so when we find that place of freedom from the stuff of this world, when we walk in that place of wholeness with God, God then sets us free on the outside. He allows us then to move into that place of freedom to bring other people and other contexts also into the fullness of what God has for them. But that outside stuff can't happen until we deal with what happens in here. And so I just want to encourage you today to lift your eyes up. Get your eyes off the things maybe around you. And wholeheartedly put your trust in God. I'm going to pray just as a closing. And I will encourage you again this day. If you are watching and you've never made this commitment to follow Jesus, you know, that's the starting point. The starting point is to say, Lord Jesus, I give my life to you. I, I I put my trust fully in your death upon the cross for my sins, uh, your forgiveness. And at this point, I'm choosing to follow you. You know, Jesus said, look, if you want to be my disciple, you need to you need to crucify your old life. You need to lay down your old life and you need to pick up your cross. You need to follow me. That's in essence what he was asking of Gideon as well. You need to lay it all down and you need to now follow me. And I guarantee that when we do that, when we say, look, I put my trust fully in you, that he will help us, he will walk with us, he will journey with us through all of this. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast at Centre Church. One church passionately loving God and people in Burgess Hill and Brighton. To get the latest news or for any other information, check out our website, at www.centrechurch.uk